Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. It's good to be here. Y'all glad to be here? Well, good. Amen. If you remember last week, some of the things we were talking about, um, I want to touch on a couple of things quickly, but one thing we're talking about is the Daniel. In the ninth chapter of Daniel, he prays, and literally within just minutes, the answer came just that quick. And then you'll see in Daniel 10 where we get the Daniel fast because he prayed and fast for 21 days before an answer came. Um, and I talked about the bridge, the faith being your bridge, and that there is a spiritual battle going on out there. And the reason Daniel's prayer was held up for 21 days is because there was a, a battle going on that we couldn't see here with our natural eyes. And if you read that scripture, we don't have time to go back over it, you'll see that. But I, I wanted to, I, th I thought about Sunday after I left. This has happened so many times in my life, but um, one time, for example, just, just to give you an, an example here, I remember I needed some work and I needed some money. Ultimately, I needed money, but you work to get money. Usually, that's how that works. How that should, anyway. And um, I went up to Huntsville to a buddy of mine. He, he wanted me to come up there and look at something. So I came up there, and he said, well, here's what we've got. And this is what I've charged the people. This is what I quoted them. And this is what I think it's going to cost in labor material. And I think this will be the profit. And you just come up here and help me. I'm just going to give you half of that. And I said, what in the world? Why? Why would you want to do that? I mean, that's silly for you to bring me all the way up here to give me that much money. And let me tell you, he had priced it high. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Jesus. But I still asked the question, why would you want to do that? And he said, well, I can't really explain it. He goes, it's just this feeling I've had. And he did like this. He said, it's just this feeling I've had now stirring around for a few weeks. And um, basically, I couldn't get it settled, so I had to call you and make that offer to you. And I said, well, I don't know if you know how the Lord speaks to you. I said, but let me tell you, if, if there's never been a better time than now for you to listen to the voice of the Lord. I mean, if you ever needed to listen to him, from, now's a good time. <laughs> and I explained that to him, and he, he agreed that, yeah, he thinks that's what it was. But what's... I want, to, I want to explain something. Three weeks before that or a month before that or every how many weeks it was before that, I don't remember an exact time. I was in prayer, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I need something here. And then that man told me, yeah, for a few weeks now, for a few weeks now I've been feeling this feeling. You realize the answer was right there with him for a few weeks. And... You could say, well, he held you up for a few weeks, or maybe he could have not even, uh, he could have ignored that. In other words, I want us to put ourselves in that man's place. When the Lord puts that feeling on the inside of you, he bears witness right there in your spirit, says, help them do that, say that. Whatever it is, for all you know, that person's been praying that. And a week's gone by, and two weeks gone by, and three weeks gone by, and that person's wondering, why ain't God, why ain't he responding? Why isn't he answering? Well, he sent you to be the answer. He sent you to provide what they needed, the word they needed, the cash they needed, whatever it is. Don't do that. Respond quickly. 
Respond quickly. Amen? Amen. So one thing I said last week was you got to force it. I was talking about forcing to read the Word of God, forcing to listen to the Word of God, forcing to come to church when you don't feel like it, you want to lay in the bed or you want to do other things. And I said something about forcing, and I won't want to leave the impression that, that, that I just had to force it to come up here every Sunday. I want you to understand it's a transformation that takes place. And I'll use this as an example. Years ago, when I very first uh, beat my flesh down, and that's what it is. It's the flesh beat down because your flesh wants to listen to this and your flesh wants to watch that or your flesh wants to eat this. And when you, when you go on a diet, you're beating your flesh down because you're not giving it what it wants. You're giving it what it needs. But I was in this machine for about 12 hours a day. It was an excavator, and I was digging, 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 and there was a radio in there. Well, the only... Type Christian type music I'd ever listened to was right here in, in 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 a church, and sometimes riding to the hunting club, my uncle he'd have this uh, cassette tape. Some of y'all don't even know what that is, but he had this cassette tape and he'd play it on the way down there, and I'd listen to it. And sometimes he'd play preaching, and I'd have to listen to that all the way down there. It was just terrible as a teenager, but now I'm thankful for it. But um, what was that group? Back in the 80s, that was popular. Um, that's it right there, DC Talk. That's what he was. That's one of the things he was listening to. So um, anyway, I got in this machine, and I decided I gotta. I've got uh, red needs. We, we need some changing right here. So I just cut it on 93.7, and I listened to it. And let me tell you, it wasn't. It was not easy. It was not easy. I wanted to listen to some Hank Williams. And some rock, classic rock. It's what I've been listening to my whole life. So, you know, WZZK and Rock 99. I don't even know if those channels even exist anymore. That tells you how long I've... But it's what I listen to. But I said, I'm not going to. I'm done. That's not helping me. I need something different. I've been down every road there is to go down there, all a dead end. And this last one I went down, not only is it a dead end... But uh, I don't have a top here on my vehicle, and it's raining, and it's cold, and I need something different. <laughs> so I put it on 93.7. I listened to it, and I hear a few songs that were pretty good. I remember third day, I need a revelation. I thought, <laughs> you got that right. I need one. That's a pretty good song, though. And then a song would come on that I mean, I'd be beating my head on the side of that machine. I can't. I'd just cut it off. I'd wait about three, four, or five minutes, cut it back on. All right, I can deal with this. I listened to another song came out. I couldn't take it. I cut it off. But I never changed the station. But as those days or hours turned into days, into weeks, into months, then all of a sudden, I liked it. It's all I listened to. Didn't listen to anything else. Could care less about listening to anything else. We go on vacation. Sometimes, yeah, I hit the thing and scan some of the songs, you know, and a song will come on. Uh, that I remember, but let me tell you, if it's got any garbage in it, I just cut it off or keep on scanning. But I might sing along with the song. I'm not going to say, uh, you know, that's going to send you to hell or nothing like that. But it, it's certainly not going to uh, feed you anything you need to be fed. Let's just make that. It's not. Country boy can't survive. It. It's just not going to help your marriage. <laughs> it won't help you. It won't help your bank account. 
and I can kill a deer, and I can catch a catfish, and I can do all that. Drive four, drive, got a shotgun. Anyway, this, this, it, this appetite, that's what happened. See, when I say force yourself to do it, I didn't have an appetite for these things. I didn't have an appetite to read the Word until I got into the Word and started reading it every single day. And I started listening to that on the radio every day. And I started coming to church and actually listening. The, most of the time I was just listening to my stomach. What's it saying? It's saying it's about 12, it's time to split. But I started listening, started paying attention. And all of a sudden, I, this appetite started creating. That's what happens. It creates an appetite. Then you want it. You want the Word. You want to hear those things. You want to be in church. So, um, y'all following me? You said it's difficult. Stay with it. All of a sudden, this appetite, appetite, appetite. Then when you go without it, let's just say you go without it for some reason. Let's just say you work or something happens or, you know, maybe you're just mad. But a few days go by, or a week or so, and you don't have any word in your life, and you don't hear any praise music, any of those things, it should affect you. You should be like, you should, you, you'll actually feel like you're getting sick and slowly dying. That's how you feel. That's, that's the truth. I mean, when I don't preach on a Sunday and get somebody else to preach, I, I like hearing what they've got to say, but I can honestly say it, it, it affects me. I can feel the effects of it, like... I can't explain it. I just, it's just, uh, you can experience the same thing. But you have to get into the Word. And this, this hunger, this appetite will develop. Y'all follow me? All right, well, good. Let's get into the Word. That's another reason I put a lot of scriptures on the screen. I want you to see the Word yourself. So, um, As I sat in that machine, those weeks went by, I would notice when I'd get out of that machine, because it never stopped running, only for 30 minutes a day, while I was eating, somebody else would take my place. It's right up here at the Catholic Church in Gardendale. We were digging the parking lot up. But it's 12 hours a day. Kept on going, and uh, I'd get out for 30 minutes and eat and get back in, or just eat as quick as I could. But whoever would get in that machine, the first thing they would do, they would start looking for that radio. Because they had to change that station. Because they had an appetite for something else. Now, if I got into the machine and it was kicking on another station, I would look around for it because I'd want to change it. See, my appetite changed from that to this. The same thing can happen to you. God's no respecter of persons. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, right here in the Ephesians, the second chapter, the eighth verse. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. As I was reading that just yesterday, I read that and saw that a little differently. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's not of your works. You didn't earn it. You didn't achieve it. It's a gift of God. I've always looked at that and thought, well, my salvation, my righteousness, that that's a gift from God. That's what that scripture is talking about. And your righteousness is a gift of God, from God because it says that, uh, um, it says it in scripture. It says that um, by one man's offense, death reigned through life, but by another man's obedience that we gained what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It is a gift. But right here it says, by grace you've been saved through faith, your faith. 
our faith, my faith, our faith. The grace was provided, but it was received through your faith, not of yourselves, not of your work, but of your faith. And it's a gift from God. Well, what's a gift? Your faith's the gift of God. Your faith is a gift of God. He has given you faith. It's a gift. You didn't work for it. You didn't achieve it. You couldn't receive the gift from God on your what we call human faith. Like if I have faith that, uh, in one of you as an individual to come over and help me do some yard work and I have faith that you're actually going to show up, that's not biblical faith. That's not faith in the Word. That's just faith in you as a human being that I, I know you're pretty good and I think you'll do what you said you'll do. But you know what? We let each other down all the time, don't we? Well, God will never let you down. A lot easier to have faith in Him than in a human. But it's a gift from God. So I want you to see that faith is a gift from God and human faith won't do it. Human faith can't believe it. What we call faith, you know, we said we got faith in him or her or faith in this. It, it, can't, it, can't, it can't receive these things. It don't even understand them. It can't even begin to understand. This is a faith that God's been giving you and deposited in you, so I want you to see that what you need, you've got. He's already given you everything that you need. We've been going over this for weeks, months, that everything you need, he's already given it to you. You're not working trying to get it. You're not praying trying to twist God's arm to force him to do something. He's not going to give you something that hadn't already been provided to you by the atonement. If everything you'll ever need, you've already been given. It's there. We've gone over that. That the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. It's in there. This faith that I'm talking about right here, it's a gift he's given you that as well. Amen. That's something to get excited about. You got to see yourself like that. You got to see yourself like that. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. It's in here. Now, this faith that we're talking about being a bridge to bring it from the unseen into the seen, this is the faith that we're talking about. You have the faith to bring these things from the unseen into the seen, from the spiritual right here into the flesh. Healing belongs to you. If you want to see it right here with your natural eyes and feel it in this body right here, it's going to take faith. Faith's the bridge that brings it from there to here. You have that faith. We ain't not trying to get the faith. You have that faith. I'm going to show you in Scripture as we go here today. Simon Peter, this is in Second Peter, the first chapter, the first verse. Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to, he, he's, he's speaking right here to the church. He said to those, um, now in 1 Peter he's talking to those on the outside, on 2 Peter he's talking to those on the inside. He's talking to the church. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, to those who have obtained the like precious faith with us. If he were standing here today, he would be looking at you saying, hey, guys, you've received, you've obtained the same faith as us. In other words, you've got the same faith that Peter had. It's been given to you. It was a gift. Then he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, you have all things. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory, of, glory and virtue. See, it's one thing to have it. It's one thing, another thing to know that you have it. We'll get into that. By which 
have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now get in, pay attention right here. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, right there, add to your faith. Add to what you've already got. You've already been given this gift of faith. You've got it. He's given it to you. The same faith that Peter had, you've got it. The same faith that Apostle Paul walked around with, you've got it. It's on the inside of you. It's a gift of God. Praise the Lord. He says, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, you add knowledge. You add self-control. Adding perseverance. Adding uh, godliness. Adding brotherly kindness. Uh, brotherly kindness. Adding love. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what we were talking about earlier, about not being whole, being a Christian that feels barren or unfruitful, you don't see any fruits or you feel barren, let me tell you what it is. It's not a faith problem, it's a knowledge problem because you don't understand or don't realize what you already have. It's a knowledge problem. It's not a faith problem. You have the faith. He's given it to you. You couldn't believe this word without the faith of God. A human faith says, that's crazy. Human knowledge says, no. It was a big bang that this is all here. Or something washed up on the ocean and started crawling around, and next thing you know, it turned into this, that, and other, made its way to a monkey, and now here we are. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Walk outside and see the sun setting. Just that alone. Find out what would happen if the sun was one inch closer to the earth. It would be crispy critters. If it was any further away, we'd be frozen like a popsicle. Because God did that. It wasn't a big bang that accomplished that. This second Peter right here, and this, what we just read, 1 uh, through 8, it actually goes well with Romans chapter 12, the second verse, where it says, uh, not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove the good and the perfect and acceptable will of God. It's a knowledge thing. You, you can't be conformed, but you got to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. See, what we don't have... Um, it's killing us. But you do have it. What I mean is not knowing what you have is killing you. Not knowing what you have is killing you. You know, there was a man, his name was um, Timothy Gray. Timothy Gray, and he was in Wyoming, and he was found under an overpass, frozen, like a popsicle, froze to death. He wasn't dressed for the the elements. Some little kids are out riding their sleds in the snow near this overpass and they found old Timothy under there frozen to death. Dead. Come to find out it was either his niece, aunt, somebody in his family had died and left that man $19 million. But he was homeless living under a bridge and he froze to death because he didn't have adequate clothing or a sleeping bag or something to keep him warm. He died a millionaire. $19 million. Man, that's how most Christians go through life. 
living under a bridge when he's provided us 19 million, way more than that. Same faith as Peter, not knowing uh, what, what you don't know, I say is killing you. Same faith as Peter. The same faith that Peter used in Acts 3 when he went up there to the temple and the man's begging for money and he says, I don't have any money, but what I do have, what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. But you notice Peter says, what I do have, I do have it. I'm going to give you what I've got. You've got that same power that Peter had, that same, that same faith that Peter had to tell that man, I know you're lame, but reach out your hand. I'm going to pull you up to your feet, and I'm going to give you what I've got. You've got that faith. <clears throat> Difference is between Peter and a lot of us is he acted on that faith. He didn't just walk by and toss the man and keep it. I want, oh, I want to pray for you. Give me your name. I'll turn it into the prayer list up there at church. I'll get Granny to pray for you. Boy, I've done that a bunch. I used to. Give me your name. Grandma here is just pray for this guy. The last person I remember praying for, like that, just out in the open. I pray for anybody, anytime, anywhere. It don't affect me a bit. But it was at a gas station. The lady said, she went pray for her daddy, her daddy. So, well, let's pray for him right now in the gas station. People standing in line, they can, won't hurt them to listen to it a little bit. But I could tell she was very uncomfortable, and it does get uncomfortable. But um, what happens when you, you tell somebody you'll go away and pray for them, you forget about it. You remember it by the time you hear about their funeral or hear about their divorce, or hear about their bankruptcy. Oh, man, I forgot to pray for them. Do it right then. Anyway, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> I said, what you don't know is killing you. Or you're suffering because you don't know. The Word of God tells us that, actually. It says, my children perish due to a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge of what? This word right here, a lack of knowledge of what? What belongs to them. My children shall perish, just like that man under the bridge. He perished due to the lack of knowledge, I guarantee you. If he knew he had $19 million awaiting him, he would have come out from under that bridge running full speed towards wherever that... <laughs> That's what I'd have been doing. I'd have probably slapped that kid, took his snow sled, and I'd have took off. <laughs> been gone. <laughs> Romans, the 12th chapter, the third verse. It says, For I say to you through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more uh, highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And you notice there it says the measure of faith. Some translations say a measure of faith, uh, indicating that everybody could be possibly given different measures of faith. That's a big pile of poo. I'll just go ahead and tell you. It's not a measure. It's the measure. It is the measure of faith. He is no respecter of person. He has given you the same measure as he's given me. He's not going to come through with a big old giant soup spoon and scoop out a big old scoop of faith and give to this guy and then the next guy come by and get out a little baby spoon and give. It's the measure of faith. You've all been given the same measure of faith. Amen. And like we said, he's not a respecter of persons. If he gave, that's what it says in Acts 10th chapter. Peter says that. Peter says, hey, he's no respecter of persons. 
He's not showing one way or the other. If, if he gave you more faith than he gave me, he would be a respecter of persons, and that means the word will be telling a lie, and that's impossible. Amen. So it's in there. The, the possibilities are in there. And Philemon, and I like to call it Philemon. But I think the correct pronunciation is Philemon. It looks like Philemon. I mean, you know, I think if you're from Alabama, it's Philemon all day long. But the correct, correct pronunciation is Philemon. I just feel way too... It sounds, it just don't roll off the tongue too smoothly. Old Philemon. What a strange name. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now get a hold of that. That your faith may become effectual, that means it'll be effective by what? The acknowledging of every good thing that's in you. In other words, we've got to acknowledge that these things are in us, that these things belong to us, that these things have been given to us, that we have them. You're not trying to get them, you have them. You want to be more effective, you've got to acknowledge what you've been given. Amen. In Galatians, the second chapter, the 20th verse, says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's saying we're, we're living in this body right here. You're a new creation. You're recreated. Your spirit's brand new. We've read that week after week. You're brand new. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. You're brand new. All things have become new. You're a new creation. But we, we still do live in this, this vehicle right here. Right? And we said before, some have nicer vehicles than others. Some have big ones, four doors. Some have the uh, wide load sign on your vehicle. Maybe you need one. I need one. I'm carrying on, but I just want you to get the point here. We're living right here in this, in the, in this, in this body. But as we live in this body, we live by the faith of the Son of God. That's important because some other translations say the faith in the Son of God, faith in Jesus. I do have faith in Jesus. We should all have faith in Jesus. But this specifically is saying that we live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by the same faith that Jesus lived by. Not faith in him, but the faith of him. The same faith of Jesus. What kind of faith did Jesus have? He had faith to walk around and raise people from the dead. He had enough faith to be obedient and go all the way to the cross and die for you and me. That's what kind of faith he had. But that's the same kind of faith that's been deposited in us. That's what God's given us. That's the gift, the same faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's in there. You're not trying to get it. You've already got it. Praise the Lord. The faith of Christ is in you. Some people will say, well, I'm of the Catholic faith. I'm of the Baptist faith, or I'm of the Methodist faith, or I'm of the Russian Orthodox faith. I'm the... No, you're not. You're the faith of God, the faith of Jesus, the faith of the Son of God. What faith are you of, the Son of God? No, I mean, you know, what church do you go to? Well, I go to this church, but I'm not of the Catholic faith or the Baptist faith or the Methodist faith or the Pentecost faith. I'm of the faith of the Son of God. I'm of the faith of Jesus. That's the faith that I'm of. That's the faith that you need to be of. 
A denomination didn't save you. A non-denomination didn't save you either. Jesus did. Amen. That gets thrown around too much. Well, I mean, how'd you become a preacher? I mean, what school did you go to? Well, I just went to the same one Jesus did. <laughs> same one. Amen. Y'all didn't know he went to that Bible college? Nothing wrong with it. I didn't have the opportunity. I got married, got a job, went to work, and tried paying bills. Not against any of those things. But uh, that doesn't qualify you. I know a fellow one time, he said, I've been looking. Now, he's not saved. He told me with his own mouth, I'll go to hell if I die tomorrow. I know I'm going to hell. <clears throat> and um, he said, a few weeks later, he said, he said, I listened to one of your sermons. And I got interested, so I started uh, watching some stuff on TV. And he said he saw Joe Olstein, and he named a couple people like that. And he looked up their net worth to see how much money they made. He said, you know, he goes, those guys, he said, you know, they make millions of dollars. He said, hey, man, I'm considering getting into this. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. He was serious. <laughs> yeah. Considering getting into it. I'm in it for the money, by the way, in case you didn't know. Some people do, I guess they grow up and they say, well, I can go to Bible college and I got this little plaque and diploma and I can take it here and there and they'll hire me and I'll be the preacher. <clears throat> well, did God call you? I've got a little thing in there in my office that says I'm an ordained minister uh, through some organization in the state of Alabama. I mean... That's just like having a welding certificate that says you're a certified welder. You can weld in a booth, but can you read a tape measure? That's more important. <laughs> How do I know? I did it for a lot of years, and I hire people from the college, Bevel State, and they'd come, and welding in a booth is different than the real world. And when you can't read a tape measure, you don't know what a 16th is, it's hard to lay something out to get it. I'd rather be able to read tape measure, and I'll teach you how to weld. Amen. But anyway, I don't even know how I got off on all that. What was I talking about even? But this faith, you've heard people say, I lost my faith. I just lost my faith. I've lost my faith. Well, you haven't lost your faith. Your faith hasn't gone anywhere. The gifts and callings are without repentance. Your faith is still there. You might not be um, in the Word of God, and you may say, well, I've sinned and messed up too bad. Well, this, like I said, the gifts and callings are without repentance. You're not going to send your faith away. It's a gift of God. You've got it. It's in there. Nobody can take it away. And I hear this all the time. People say, I just need more. I just need more faith. I just need more faith. Well, faith's not the problem. It's a knowledge problem. Knowledge is the problem, lack of knowledge, not knowing what the Word of God says. We talked about this Wednesday. How can you, you've got this faith, the ability to be the bridge, but if you don't, if you don't have knowledge of something, you can't put your faith in it. 
If I don't read the Word of God, or if you don't come in, if you don't read the Word of God, or if you don't come in here and listen to the Word of God, see scriptures and, and, and see it with your eyes and hear it with your ears and see it, how could you put faith in something that you don't even know belongs to you? You don't even know exists. There's so many Christians that think that being a Christian is just getting saved. That's a get out of hell free card. They have no knowledge of the rest of this stuff that belongs to us. They have no knowledge that all this has been deposited in us into us, into them. They have no knowledge that they already have that faith in there and they never will unless they hear it, unless they get into the word, unless they hear the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it's not a faith problem. You're not, you don't need to run out and get you some faith. You've got some faith. What you need is some knowledge. Not to be conformed but the, to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing your mind. Renew your mind what? In the word of God to get in here and find out what belongs to you. Now, um, I quoted that scripture. I didn't put it on there. There it is for note takers. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine. Now, one time Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's actually talking to them about forgiveness and they say, how many times I got to forgive them? And he says, a bunch, a whole bunch. 70 times. Seven. Just see if anybody else knew the scripture. They just want to do it once. Seven, he says seventy times seven. That's a lot. Then they respond and they say, "Lord, increase our faith. We're gonna need some more faith for this one." And he said, "Faith's not your problem." That's ultimately what he says with his answer. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots, be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. It's not a faith problem. If you just had faith the size of a mustard seed, y'all know how, what a mustard seed is? There's a mustard seed in this bag. And there's a healing cloth, and there's a, some scriptures in here. And Miss Lisa made these for us. You probably can't even see it. There's the seed. That thing's tiny. That's the size of the faith you need right there, the size of that seed. And you can move mountains. That's all you need. What he's saying is you don't have to wait till that's this big. All you need is that. I've given it to you. I've given you the measure of faith just like I've given every, every man and woman who's come to Christ. I've given you the gift of faith. You have it on the inside of you. That's not the problem. It's the knowledge. He said, if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mulberry tree. That's all it would take is that little bit of faith. Like I said, the problem's not the faith. It's the knowledge. And having faith in the Word, you've got to know some Word to put some faith in it. Amen. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I can't say it too much. That's why unspoken prayers make zero sense. Because you can't put faith in something you don't know. If, if Luke raises his hand, if I say, does anybody have an unspoken prayer this morning before we get going? And Luke raises his hand, and Stick raises his hand, and Mackenzie raises her hand. All right, let's pray. Father, uh, we have no idea what we're praying but just move in their lives and uh, just, just give them whatever they're asking for. And uh, Amen. You can't have faith in that. You can't have faith in something you don't know. 
If Luke says, hey, I'm sick. Well, you know what? Healing belongs to you. Sickness don't. Where are you sick at? Well, it's my back. My back hurts. Well, we're going to talk to your back, and we're going to rebuke that, get it out of here. By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed past tense. That's a scripture to stand on for his request. It belongs to you. As a matter of fact, it's already yours. We're just going to take, by faith, we're going to appropriate what's been provided to us. But if he says, well, I can't really tell you. Well, how could I put faith in it? For all I know, he's already tired of his new wife. And he's wanting us to pray that the Lord will just remove her out of his life. I can't agree with that. Because the word of God is the exact opposite. It says, well, he put together, let no man separate. Did you get married in front of God? Oh, yeah, I was there. I forgot. <laughs> no, I didn't forget. I, I remember it well. It was right in the middle of the corona, get crazy, outbreak. Were they going to arrest you if too many people was together? And we were just rebels. <laughs> and we got married anyway. But he said, till death do you part. She said, till death do you part. And you ain't dead. What that means is, well, that's pretty simple what that means. I was talking about unspoken prayers and, and that you can't put faith in something you don't know. That's why it's important to get into this word and know what this word right here says. Praise the Lord. You get in what, what his disciples were doing was believing. You know, you can believe and then get into unbelief. You can believe and then get into unbelief. You believe what the word says. I believe it's true, but something happens in life that scares you. Some fear, something bad. It don't look good on paper. It does not add up, and some fear will come. Some unbelief will sneak in on you. Oh, I believe, but help my unbelief. Has anybody ever been there and done that? I mean, you do believe, but some unbelief sneaks in just like you can be in faith. I believe all the things these scriptures says right here. Um, but then all of a sudden something happens and some fear. Some fear sneaks in on you. And next thing you know, you're over in fear. You're not walking in faith. You're walking in fear. And we say we uh, have faith, but then we act on fear. In other words, that's saying one thing and doing another. Faith without works is dead. You definitely have to have faith and act on faith. Like I said last week, or maybe I said Wednesday, but you pray for rain, take the umbrella with you. It is going to rain. It is going to rain. I'm praying for a baby, me and my wife. Well, pick out a name, paint your room, buy the baby's bed, get ready. You praying for it? You believing for it? You got faith in it? People think that's absolutely ridiculous. No, that's not. That's just faith. That's just faith. Proverbs 18, 21 says that life and death is in the power of your tongue, and those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. In other words, your tongue right here has the power of life and death. The power, the life and death is in the power of your tongue. You can't be speaking death. You got to be speaking life. And people, you go up to some people all the time, you go up to people sometimes and you say, hey, man, how you doing? You know, you see, see people at a gas station. Hey, man, what's up? Oh, not much. 
Sometimes you say, hey, man, how's it going? And they tell you how it's going. Basically, they throw up on you for about 30 minutes. They tell you how bad it is, how bad that, that old man I'm married to is, and my mom and my daddy, and the bills in the car, work, my neighbors, the dog. I mean, it's bad. They, it's like you're not listening to what you're saying. You just, he's not the man you wanted him to be, but you just spoke death over him for 10 minutes. Told me how terrible he was. Speak some life over him. Speak some life over him. If I didn't have a woman speaking life over me, I can tell you I wouldn't be standing right here preaching to you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Who else would we thank? Praise the Lord. Who else would we praise? Mark eleven twenty three and 24 talks about believing in your heart and not doubting and speaking to a mountain and having it moved. And basically it says speak to the mountain because faith is voice activated. What you say is very important. That's why you don't need uh, death coming off your lips, off your tongue. You need life just like Proverbs says, just like we just read, it's important what you speak. If you think it's not important than what you say, then why would you pray? It is important what you say. It is important what comes off your tongue. It is important what you say about your children. I mean, I hear people say things at the park all the time. They say things about their children, and um, man, it honestly creeps me out. I mean, chill bumps come up, run up my neck, just creeps me out. He's my good kid, but that one's my demon child. That's my little hellion. Things like that. People don't think, they don't really mean it. Does that woman really think that kid's a demon child or a hellion? No, she don't think it. But she don't realize she's just, she's just throwing, up, throwing out their death. Speak, that's not my hellion. That's not my demon child. Don't, 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 don't speak death over your kids. Speak life. Speak life. But right here in Mark eleven twenty three and 24, I don't have it on the screen. Until my voice is activated. He says, speak to the mountain. And he says, don't doubt. And if you believe it, you'll have it. So speaking is important. Not getting over into doubt, but staying in faith. Believing and not being in doubt. It says you'll have those things which you say. Praise the Lord. What you speak. What you believe and what you speak, like I said, faith is voice activated. It's like faith without works is dead. You can walk by and the man there at the temple, Peter could have, he had the faith, obviously, but he could have just kept on walking by. But faith without works is dead. His faith was well alive. He reached out and grabbed the man and pulled him to his feet. You know, Jesus had compassion. Compassion means you do something about it. You pull out your wallet and you give them some money or you take them and buy them something to eat or you go uh, help in whatever way that you can, pray with them, whatever it is. Compassion. That means we're going to do something about this situation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. People say, I need to get some faith. Well, first of all, you've already got faith. We've driven that point home. I hope you, you got it by now. You've got it. 
But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. How does your faith increase or how does your faith spread or how do you add to your arsenal? You learn the word of God. I've got faith that Jesus went to the cross and died for me. Okay. I've got faith that by his stripes I was healed. Now I've got faith in healing. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Now I have faith in that. You, you see what I'm saying? Now I've got faith in all these things. Get better while you wait. Just because Satan's not attacking you today don't mean he won't be attacking you tomorrow. And you, 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 you know your arsenal. You should have, you followed me. I've got faith in all these things. The faith's been deposited, everything you need. Faith appropriates what's been given to you. But faith comes by the word of God, nothing else. Not by miracles. Not by miracles. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He comes out of the tomb, wrapped in grave clothes. First of all, his sister, she said, he, he, he is stinking by now. He's been in there so long, he's, he's literally stinking. King James says, he stinketh. He stinketh. And most of the time I use the new King James because he'll say he stinks. Or he'll say, come here and go there instead of come hither and go thither. But I still think the King James is the best. But I'll use the new King James because I don't talk like hither and thither, and I, I assume you don't either. <laughs> but he says, take the grave clothes off. And he comes out and takes, do you know that it said some believed, a few believed, but then some others went over to the Pharisees and says, this is what Jesus did, and then they plotted to kill him. See, faith didn't come by seeing a miracle. And I can tell you how I know. I think I told the story last Sunday about in Sunday school next door at Miss Sanders class, which starts at 930. It's called Common Grounds. You get in there and you find out there's people in there that's got some common ground with you and they have problems just like you do and they need prayer just like you do and they need to learn just like you do. And there's classes upstairs. There's one for all ages. But anyway, they prayed for me. This is years ago. And it was a miracle. Nothing shy of a miracle because I had this major pain, this limp, and my ankle swelled up because it had been broken really bad, terrible. And it hurt for years. And they, everybody prayed. And um, the next morning, my ankle was fine, was fine for years thereafter. And um, that didn't change me. That did not change me one iota. I was doing stupid stuff. I wasn't living for the Lord. I was sinning. Say what I want. Listen to what I want. See what I want. Punch whoever I want to punch. You know, I mean, just living in the world. Just do what I want. I came over here. Anybody need a prayer? Yeah, yeah. why not? Give it a shot at this old ankle. I was healed. Miracle. I didn't change. I did not change. I kept on living just like I was living. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, not by seeing miracles. Miracles are cool to see, and I've seen a bunch, and I like it, but that doesn't get you rooted and grounded. What gets you rooted and grounded is the word of God. That same ankle, one time we were having a race, and and Stick was putting on the race. We were in charge of the race. If somebody got hurt, it was on our heads. And this tree had fallen and blocked off the race course, and it, it fell in a place that where a trail split and this tree pointed them right down the wrong direction, which is ultimately going to go head on into other traffic. I mean, it was like you went out there and intentionally cut the tree down to fall in the worst possible spot it could fall. Well, I was one of the first ones by. I saw it. 
I said, this is not good. So I was in a hurry to get back to tell them to red flag it, which means stop it. And I took a shortcut, and I was going to jump across from here to there. And I landed on that same ankle that Miss Sandra prayed for. And let me tell you, <clears throat> well, I think it broke it. I got up off the ground, but I still had to get up there to tell them about that red flag. And I get on my bike and ride up there, and they stop it. <clears throat> I've got pictures. That thing is, it is it's big, and it is nasty, and it's purple. My toes are green and blue and purple. It, it's, it's not a good thing. So I go to the hospital, and they're like, yeah, we're going to do surgery. And they get me in there, and they end up not doing surgery. And I don't remember all the details, but all I know is it hurt. It hurt. It hurt every day. Every day it hurt. Well, on a Wednesday night, Joshua's teaching, teaching on faith, teaching on healing. I believe in faith. I believe in healing. Obviously, I hope you can tell that by now. But I came up here, and I just sat down, and I said, we got to lay hands on this bad boy. I probably said it just like that. He probably is like hesitant about touching it because it's your foot, you know, and that can be, speaking of stinketh, you know, that could be, be careful. <clears throat> He laid hands on it, and we prayed and agreed. And you know what? I was limping when I left. And I was limping the next day, and it was about a, two days later. Me and him were working together, and we were in Fairfield. I remember exactly where we were at. We were in Fairfield, and I said, you know what? If healing belongs to me, and me and you prayed and agreed, and I received my healing, then I'm healed. <laughs> I walked out of that house, and I know y'all think this is silly, but sometimes you just got to get silly. I got down in a three-point stance in the front yard like I was in high school playing football. And I said, hike. And I just took off running full speed across the yard. I got to the other side. Josh was doubled over laughing. People were looking out the window like, who is this? And then the next time I took off running, I was just screaming like I was going down the field fixing to hit somebody. I'll tell you right now, I hadn't limped since. I'm telling you, I hadn't limped since. That's a true story. Healed, faith without works. And I received it right there in that front yard of Fairfield that day. The Word. It wasn't a miracle. It was the Word. But you talking about Miss Sandra. That didn't change me. You know what changed me? The Word. That time when I was listening to that music, praise and worship in that machine I told you about when I started, at the same time in my life, every day I was reading the Word, reading the Word, reading the Word, every morning, every night, constantly, couldn't get enough of it, just kept reading, this appetite, man, I had to have more, had to have more, had to have more, and Jackie's like, stay back there and just read that all you want. I got this, I got the babies, praise the Lord, you just stay back there, you just read all you want. She did. I don't blame her because she started seeing changes as well. Amen. We're going to close right here with this. Jesus goes up to the Mount Transfiguration. He's got a few of his disciples with him, and he, he leaves a few, the rest of them behind. Some man comes up to him, and he says, Hey, this is my son here. He's uh, got a mute spirit, and he's having seizures and it's throwing him on the ground and then Jesus comes down the mountain right here in the fourth, 14th uh, verse of the ninth chapter of Mark it says when he came to the disciples he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them immediately when they saw him 
All the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? The scribes will be the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the religious people, um, the ones that were trying to get Jesus crucified, um, the well-educated, the ones that thought they knew more. So they're, uh, what are you discussing with them? He says, one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. They could not cast it out. Now, the fact that they even tried to do it shows that they did have some faith. They tried it, but it says it didn't work. And we'll talk about Jesus' response here in a moment. But they had been out. Uh, they had seen some miracles. They had prayed for people. They had, they had cast some things, some spirits out. And if you read in the, the Gospels, you'll see that. But this one right here, they try to cast it out. And it says that it throws him down. And he started foaming at the mouth, gnashing at the teeth and become rigid. Now, you're talking about things going from bad to worse. And a lot of times that's no different than you and I, and you can apply that to your finances. You can apply that to your marriage. You can apply that to your health. The things are already appear to be bad. And then we're going to start praying. We're going to start speaking to the problem. We're going to start walking in faith, standing in faith, standing on this word. And then all of a sudden it goes from bad to worse. And when you see the problem throw itself on the ground and start foaming out the mouth, then all of a sudden now we're going to go from faith to fear, from belief to unbelief. You ever seen anything, a person be thrown on the ground, foaming out the mouth, gnashing at his teeth and becoming rigid? I've only seen that one time. I saw a person fall out and having a seizure. It is a scary sight. It is not very comforting. When you see that going on, it's like, I mean, it's, it's horrifying especially if you knew the person, especially if it was your child or your wife or your husband or loved one, somebody you knew. Um, I saw it happening down there at the post office in Watson one day. I drove by, some woman come out waving, and there was a guy in there on the floor having a seizure doing that. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is years ago. I'm like, I, I call, the, call the ambulance. I mean, I don't know what the, to do here. It was, it was scary. My papa used to have seizures. I never saw him do those things, but I saw him do plenty of other crazy stuff where he didn't know who he was and acting crazy and didn't know who I was, some type of a seizure. And I re remember this one time at the hospital and my mama was taking him down there. And uh, so I went to see him. Me and Jackie went. We went to the room and I heard some commotion. Before I ever opened the door, and I opened the door, and Papa was standing in there, nothing but his whitey tidies. And this big old nurse, you know, big for nurses, a man about my size, had a hold of Papa, and he's wrestling around. Like I said, Papa's wearing nothing but the fruit of the looms, you know. And so I shut the door back, and I said, you might want to wait out here. I'm going to get this situation under control. So I go in there. And Papa was, I don't know how old he was at that time. He's 70-something. Got his hands on the bed. This big old nurse is trying to put him in the bed. He's not moving. 
And I came in, I said, you need a hand? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, this is my papa. I'll, I'll, I can handle this. So I put my arm behind his back, and I reached across to grab his other arm to pull it to me, and I was going to throw him up in that bed. And I was thinking, dang, this seven gun stout. I mean, I, I can't even move him. The guy's going, sir. And I'm like, mm, mm, sir. I'm trying to throw him in there. He's like, sir, that's my arm. Yeah, I was trying to, I reached, yeah, trying to throw them both in there. But walking in and seeing something like that, it'll quickly get you out of faith and into fear. Like I say, when it goes from bad to worse. And that'll get you to quit standing on faith, quit believing. We're talking about that Daniel last week. I can't help but think of this. God sent the answer, and it says that the prince of Persia was holding him up. I can't help but think of when you pray, and God, he, he, the answer is coming. Satan's going to do everything. He's going to throw everything he can at you to stop it. He's going to try to throw you on the ground, make you fall. He's going to make it go from bad to worse. He's going to make you give up, quit, get out of faith, and to get into fear. So why does things come quicker than others? I don't know, but I know that demons don't procreate. They don't recreate. There's, you know, I think about maybe there's more of us than there are of them. How many of us are there? Seven billion. I think when you're fighting for a marriage, when you're fighting for a finances, when you're fighting for the, your health, and I think and, and you're getting over into faith and getting into the Word and receiving what God's provided to you, yes, I think Satan's going to attack you as hard as he can. He's going to make it try to go from bad to worse so that you'll quit, give up, and get into fear. And then when you do that, you've lost. But Jesus answered, he says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. You know, I think he would have said the same thing back when, and it's still going on in some places, but when everybody absolutely lost their minds over corona, and I mean lost their minds, we're canceling church, I mean we're not, you know, all this, I think Jesus would have said, faithless generation. <laughs> Why are you getting into fear? It, my name above the name of Corona? Oh, faithless. He said, bring him to me. Then they brought him to me. I want you to see how the difference between Jesus reacted and the way the disciples were reacted. And remember, we've got the faith of Jesus in us, and this is how we should react. He is our example. He says, they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. That evil spirit tried to do the same thing to Jesus as it did the disciples. This man's perfectly fine until he brought him to Jesus. Then he fell on the ground. And notice what Jesus said. I'm going to put this in, in, in my language. So this guy falls on the ground and Jesus says, uh, how long has this been going on? He didn't freak out. He didn't go, oh my goodness. He didn't get into fear. He literally says, how long has this been happening? He didn't get into a panic. He didn't get into a hurry. Guy's on the ground, in a seizure, foaming out the mouth, rigid, looking like he's dead, and Jesus just says, hmm, how long has this been going on? 
He says, oftentimes it's throwing him into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us, help us. Jesus said to him, see, he tried to put it on Jesus, if you can do anything. But I want you to see Jesus' response. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe. Don't put this on me. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The faith of a mustard seed. It's been deposited on the inside of you. All things are possible. You can speak to a mountain, tell it to move. It'll move. He says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. See what I was talking about a minute ago? We get in. He believed, but this unbelief creeped in through this experience. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him. He became his one dead that many said, Oh, he's dead. And people will say that about you. It's too late. That'll never work. It's gone too far. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And then they got off in private and they come into the house and his disciples asked him, he said, they said, why can't we cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Now, do you think that there's some demons that the name of Jesus works on and some that don't? That it'll only work if you, if you come up on a situation, you go, Mm, the name of Jesus is not going to work. I must go do some praying and fasting and then I will return. That's ridiculous. That's not talking about the demon. What, what are they, what's Jesus <clears throat> addressing here? He's addressing if you believe. If you believe. And the man says, help my unbelief. And the disciples were in unbelief. And he says, this type of unbelief can only come out through prayer and through fasting. And what I'm talking about is what I said in the very beginning of service, the flesh beat down. See, when you get into a fast and you quit eating, as soon as you quit eating, I'm telling you by lunch, your flesh is going to start crying out, feed me. By dinner time, please feed me. By day three or four, oh, I'm hungry, I my stomach's in knots, feed me. Your flesh will tell you to feed me. If you cut off Facebook right now, it won't be, before you go to bed, you're going to probably be over in the corner twitching because <laughs> you got to have that Facebook. It's going to say, turn me on, look at me, click on me, do the news feed, comment on those posts, let them have it. What if you took your TV away? I'm saying there's a lot of things you can fast and you will find out who is in control, your flesh or your spirit. When he's saying this type of un unbelief can come out by prayer and fasting, that's what he's talking about is the flesh, I like to call it the flesh beat down, where you're going to show your flesh who's in control. You are not in control of this right here. My spirit's in control. I'm going to be led by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> I'm building my life on the Word of God. That's how unbelief's going to come out. Praise the Lord. Why don't you take this last story right here and apply it to your life? Maybe you're just like Daniel or just like me or like anybody else and got things you've been believing for and praying for. I've been standing on the Word and 
<clears throat> Sometimes things get better, then they get worse. And just like this mute spirit being thrown on the ground, it goes from bad to worse. You can get over into doubt and the fear and unbelief. Or you can handle the situation just like Christ did. What I'm saying is don't, don't give up. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever word you're standing on, whatever you're believing for, even if it gets worse, don't quit. Faith does not quit. Faith never quits. Faith doesn't stop. Amen? Praise the Lord. Y'all get something out of it today? Well, I don't have a good at closing. So, uh, Jackie, come down here and close this thing. She corrects me a lot. So I'll say, you know what? I'm going to let you preach next Sunday. Thank the Lord she does correct me. Remember, the disciples had already forgotten what Jesus told them to do, and they had to have a woman to remind them. When he rose from the dead, and he said, go wait for me, I'll be there. And she had to remind them. Thank the Lord for women. They remind us of some things, don't they? Amen. <clears throat> we'll just close a prayer.